Imagine a world where letters, words, and phrases had personalities of their own and roamed freely, making us laugh, think, and become introspective. Well, that world sits inside Real C's head. And on this episode of The Cultured Podcast, we're taking a trip into his brain to see just how things work when you play with letters and words. Welcome to The Cultured Podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Corey, and together we'll journey into the unknown reaches of the art world. Hello, my babies. buddy. It's been an intense year already. <laughs> No, but truly, it's been a super intense year. I hope your 2020 has been on and trucking because the energy behind this year for me so far has been bodegas. I mean, truly super busy, super exciting, super intimidating, all the feels. And with that kind of intensity, it is especially a joy to talk to someone like Real C, whose real name you'll find out in a moment. and why he's called Real C, because he's just a ball of joy. He is curious. He is playful. He is tongue in cheek, but he's also pretty philosophical. So that all comes across in his work as a artist who works with letters and words and phrases. So before I start spoiling it for you, we'll talk about my inspiration because you really are going to love this interview and it's going to make you smile. So if you're in a moment of intensity like I am in a really good moment, by the way, like happy things, this is going to lift your spirits and make you smile. But first, my inspiration for this week is Boxing. Oh, yeah, you heard me right. And by boxing, I mean the sport of boxing. So the aforementioned intensity of this year and how busy it's been actually drove me to start working out a lot more than I have been in the last year, which is a very good thing because I needed some way to let out all this energy that I have coursing through my body. I mean, I literally have the most energy I've ever had in my life. And that can feel like a pending implosion (laughs) because you're just carrying all this energy within you. So one thing I've been doing has been boxing alongside, of course, meditation. Both of those things hand in hand have really allowed me to center myself, find time for me, get out any anxieties or frustrations and really harness the power of that energy in a really productive way. And my neighbor actually has been teaching me how to box. Shout out to Daniel. Yes. We go down there to the gym in our building. He teaches me combinations. He has a ball. I have a ball. And I've also just discovered this immense passion for boxing because it's one of those mind, body, spirit sports. And so it really engages my creative mind because I have to be working on my stance my technique. I have to be thinking about when a punch is coming my way and if I have to like dodge it in some way. And then of course the brute strength of punching and ducking and rolling and It is sure merch fern. And it also makes me feel super powerful. I mean, 
it like makes me carry myself differently, you know? So Rocky 15 featuring Michelle is coming soon to a theater near you. (laughs) But while you wait for the release of that cinematic gold, let's talk to Rilsey because he's actually doing some incredible things. Unlike my, you know, not yet in existence movie. All right, here we go. Let's talk to Rilsey. So welcome, Cyril, a.k.a. Real C, to the Cultured Podcast. Thanks for having me. So tell us who you are and what your art form is. So my real name is Cyril Vouillot. I'm a Swiss artist based in Berlin. I go by the name of Real C. This comes from like an old nickname that my friends gave me, which is pretty much a inversion of syllables of my real name, Cyril, Real C that I spelled in a different and um well, it's always difficult to describe it but I guess I'm a letter artist if you can call it this way I play with letters I distort them destroy them make them funny give them personality and life as a kid really like maybe seven or eight I remember that I had this game where I was giving it to myself I was like okay let's try to draw uh, logos from sports brand or cars and then I was trying to draw as many as I could by memory I don't know why I was doing this for but uh, I don't know I thought it was fascinating and I still am fascinated by this I think we're so used to seeing logos nowadays, which is a scary thing, honestly. But we just forget the artfulness and intention that goes behind a logo and how difficult it is to create a truly memorable, iconic logo. So it's funny to me that at the age of, what, eight, seven, you were like, Hmm, artful logos. I'm going to try to recreate this. You know, I think that already captures that you were sort of, you came out of the womb thinking differently about the world. One thing that uh, as a kid I found interesting and that I still even teach to people is the amount of information that just some letters can have and how much information they can give, you know, away to people. If you look at the, um, the logo of a restaurant, you do almost do not need to enter to know what's going to be served in it, the quality of the food, the kind of people you would find inside. You can tell maybe even the decorations. Right. And you're still on the sidewalk looking outside at the logo of the, the restaurant. And all these information are conveyed just in a few letters, few colors. And this is something that everyone has. If it's doing its job, right? That's like the whole point of the logo. So if it's a good logo, that's what it's supposed to convey. Mm. Uh, You know, whereas sometimes we see these really bad, like, uses of lettering and color and shape and, and form that make you think you're going into something. And then there's that jarring experience of dissonance between what the logo told you you were walking into and what you actually experience. Mm. But even these wacky logo tells you a lot about how they handle the, their business inside, I would say. Oh, I like that. That's cool. Tell me more about that. What do you mean? Is this brutal to say? No, a lot of people don't 
realize that their logo is pretty much their face when their real face is not showing. Yes. Wow. If you want to make some savings on your logo because you have a cousin that once heard like watch a tutorial of how to do a logo, chances are that you won't be well represented. Whereas if you ask the help of a professional, that would be like something that really suits you and that that conveys the right information and the right personality that you would like the public to see you as. I think that that also points to the fact that you do connect perception and psychology with your own work and the way that you sort of mutate letters and play with their shape and forms and meanings to toy with your viewer. So tell me a little bit about when you started this form of artistry and and what spurred you to do so? I love people in general and I love to, if I can say, study them. I mean, it sounds a bit uh, intellectual to say this for someone who draws letter, but I, I, this is definitely something I'm drawn to. Mm. The psychology of how people react and, and I try to to translate this in my work, it could be either in optical illusions or when I work with sentences that I mix, you know, from thoughts, from thing I read, things I hear in the metro or like in the cafe, or sometimes I just come across sentences or think about something and I'm like, wow, this deserves to be illustrated. And I don't always do it right away, but I write it down and either my phone or most of the time my sketchbook. And later on, I go back to it and try to illustrate it the best way as I can to make people laugh. Is there typically a theme around what grabs your attention? What kinds of phrases or signs? Other people that have done article about my work worded better than what I would have ever done. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Because, you know, I I do this quite naturally. You know, I I observe, I see, I react, and this is how it ends up uh, as drawings most of the time. Right. It's a second nature to you. Whereas as an outside observer, it's easy to, you know, sort of psychoanalyze you (laughs) and your work. A hundred percent, you know, it's a, often it's a observation from our life, the technology that surrounds us, what this technology, what the impact is on the social aspect. (laughs) And I kind of make fun of it. A lot of people say like, oh, but you're mocking people, but I'm like the first target of most of the observation I do, you know? (laughs) So yes, I'm mocking other, I'm taking other people with me, but I'm my, uh, my main, how do you call this? The, I'm my own guinea pig kind of. Yeah. In English, we call that the butt of the joke. Have you heard that saying? The butt or the joke? No, the butt of the joke. At the butt of the joke. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So anyone you're making fun of the, is the butt of the joke. So I guess what you're saying is most often you're the butt of your jokes <laughs> mm. as well. Yeah. So yeah. describe a recent piece for us so that we can sort of dive into it with the cultured crew and start analyzing what one piece, how one piece comes to life and the different meanings behind it. Most of my work have a quite a similar way of being created. So I think a lot about things all the time. I'm in kind of a hyperactive mm-hmm. kind of person. So I pretty much talk since I open my eyes until I close them. Even I speak when I go to bed. My <laughs> wife goes banana sometimes. And my friend tells me often that the close friends tell me politely to shut up. 
So I guess I write down a lot of my ideas or questions I ask myself uh, in my sketchbook. And most of these sentences are circled around. And these are like ideas. I like to imagine them as bubbles with the different ideas. It could be things that I'm thinking about or that I read somewhere. And that I have the feeling that this is something that deserves to be illustrated, to be like laugh about with other people. So it sounds like actually you've found a really good way of managing this hyperactivity and giving it a channel, right? Is like writing down all these things when your wife or your friends are like, I cannot listen to you anymore. You're like, okay, cool sketchbook. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And I always have it with me and, uh, and yeah, yeah. I I know I'm tiring sometimes, so I, I leave people there their time and but then I still have to externalize all these things that yeah, happens in my head yeah so I write them down you can't just shut that off luckily because it comes out through artwork yeah but sometimes I'm I'm trying you know I'm, I'm a father too of a three years old daughter mm-hmm. and um my life has obviously changed now with this new role in my life and um I think I have to to learn how to meditate or something to like sometimes shut my brain out because sometimes it goes crazy. Oh yeah. Meditation would be amazing for you. That would be another one. Mm. And it would probably end up surfacing all these little thought bubbles in the same way that you draw them out in your sketchbook. Mm -hmm. It would probably come into your mind as visions and things like that. It would be interesting to see what comes forward if you meditate. Okay. So you put these thoughts down in your sketchbook And then walk us through the process. Then there's a second part. I'm trying to find interesting composition of it, of how to give dynamic to the the words and sentence. I usually like say it out loud to know how to give them a real rhythm, I would say. Mm -hmm. And uh, the hierarchy of information within the the letters, you know. Oh, 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 oh. Tell us more about what that means. You know, if you have a sentence, there's always word within the sentence that are more important than others. Or you have a few eye-catching words and then this attracts you to read a bit more. And then with just these two words, for example, it gives the general topic of what the, the sentence is about. And then you have to read it the second time to get the point and sometimes even the third time to get the joke, you know. And that's all these different... Um, uh, levels uh, of l- lecture that I like. Ooh, I love that. What's an example? Give us an example of of a recent piece, like a recent phrase and the hierarchy of those words. I was leaving whatever city, I don't remember where, and that was a sad, gloomy, gray day, a bit rainy. Mm-hmm. And as we took off with the plane, we went through the, the clouds And as you know, when you get above the clouds, it was sunny. It was beautiful. I felt the the heat from the sun slightly blinding me and everything. And I thought, wow, clouds are always so great from above. Mm -hmm. So this was my thought. I was like, that would be cool to do something to illustrate this idea that clouds look always good from above. Then it's where the work starts. I had the sentence. I had the, the idea of something I wanted to convey. And then I started to work on the composition. You know how to word it. Is it cloud always look good from above or the other way around? Cloud look always great from above or 
you know? Mm-hmm. And do you do that immediately? So you're on this plane, you experience this moment, this inspiration, and then do you immediately pull out your sketchbook there on the plane or? This one, yes. Mm-hmm. This one, I did it directly in, in the plane. I love to draw in the plane if I'm alone, because otherwise if I'm with my daughter, it's like I, I'm in, I kind of have yeah. to take. <laughs> in this case, I played around with like a different composition. There's one with the, you can see a city and the letters are above the clouds, but I thought that was a bit too direct. There's another one I did some tries where I tried to draw the vision like if the composition was seen through one of these windows and you could see a bit of the wing of the plane. But after two tries, I realized that that was not really giving anything to the composition. Mm. And then I finally found something that was actually quite interesting. You can read cloud and above that is an actually cloud texture, I would describe Mm it. And from far, you can clearly see always great or look always great that's the first thing i would say that you see that you can see is uh, the word always great mm. and then you go a bit closer and you see the clouds and the look has eyes and in, instead of two o's yeah. so it also kind of draws the attention and the clouds are looking down at the plane but also down at where you can imagine is below the clouds so I find it quite interesting, the composition. Well, I, and there already you start to, there's a few themes that I've seen in your work in general. The playfulness. So the eyes do appear in your work a good bit. And they are, it's almost like you're personifying your words and making them little characters, but also mirroring your own audience or yourself in those eyes. And then also positivity. You're a very positive person and your messages tend to be very playful. They might poke fun, but they're also uplifting in general. I've been told that, yeah. Yeah, I wonder why. (laughs) I don't know. I think it's, I guess in in life, you can always focus on the negative or the positive part. And I guess I'd choose my camp. Have you always been an optimist? Or do you consider yourself an optimist? Well, I've been told that so many times that I guess I am, yeah. (laughs) You know, one of my techniques that I explain to many of my friends is I do dramatic comparison. You know, let's say you have to go on holiday, you plan this, and there's an accident with the bus that you're stuck in the bus, therefore you miss the plane. Most of people would be like so pissed and everything, but I would be like, well, I could have had like a bad accident or this plane could have crashed or I could have, I don't know, mm-hmm. you know, you compare it to something so brutal that it would minimize the the problem of the current situation. Oh, wow. I love that. You're like, well, clearly my fate was redirected or, or this was part of my path to be redirected off of what I thought was going to be happening. Yeah, I love that. I mean, it sounds like you go with the flow well. Well, I don't think like I have a chance, uh, another option anyway, mm-hmm. you know, but uh, that's exactly right. I don't know if it's, <laughs> that's right. I can't remember if it was my, my mom or my granny, mm. um, but I've been told do not waste energy in trying to change things you cannot change. Yes, 100%. Control is a total illusion, which is hard for someone like me because I can, want to grip life a little bit hard if I don't feel like things are going just how I want them to. Well, yeah, me too. Huh? I like to control things. I have like so, always like 
ideas of how I want things to go and how it does. But in the end, most of the time it does not go how I planned it or how I fantasize it because I guess I have a good imagination. So it's really as good as how I imagined it. (laughs) And I just learn how to live with it. I relate so much to what you just said. It's ridiculous. (laughs) I've never heard anyone put it like that. Like I have such a good imagination that the way that I fantasize about something is never going to be how it turns out. (laughs) Yeah, man. (laughs) So true. Okay. So I love this idea of things always look great above the clouds from above the clouds. So what was that final phrase you landed on? Clouds look always great from above. Mm, Wow. I think it's also quite optimistic because, you know, for me, it also shows that everything has two ways of being looked at, you know, if you clouds, if you're on one side, like I'm in today in Switzerland, it's like pouring, it's gray and everything. Just on the other side, it's super sunny. So it's kind of a nice parallel to everything that happens in, in life, I think. Absolutely. Yeah, I love that. Okay, so now what's your next step with this work, for instance? Do you usually catch yourself? Like, what does that refining process look like with you? Does it take forever? Do you like nitpick things to death? Or are you pretty quick in deciding this is the final composition? No, 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 no. I'm quite fast. Mm. I would say like the usually I do a few sketches they're like raw sketches that I always sketch um, directly with ink because oh, wow. it um, sketching directly with ink usually like for two reasons is it keeps a uh, historical of what you've been doing. Mm-hmm. Then you can take, sometimes you make one try of a composition that is not great, but some elements are interesting. Then if you keep them, you can take one idea of this, one idea of this, and make a mix for the next drawing. But if you erase every time you sketch something, then you you can't really get anything from the, the past experience, you know? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I never thought about that. And the second reason is because by sketching directly, sometimes you would you can make mistakes, you know, like a wrong line or something make you move or, I don't know, something happened unplanned. And sometimes it's something really interesting because it would push you to take a path that you would not have taken otherwise. Mm -hmm. And yeah, sometimes it's also interesting this way. Well, right. Like drawing with ink is a greater commitment. I think it takes more courage because there are no, you you can't erase an error. Um, so the fact that you look at that as part of the opportunity to shift your own perspective of, okay, well, I thought this line was going to go here, but now it's here. So how do I turn that into a strength is really, that's like very exciting to me, you know? Sometimes it's harder than others, you know, like, like not long ago, I posted something on my Instagram as a, I was doing one of these like super glitch tight drawing that I do. And I was almost done with all the outlines, ready to move on to the next step. And I don't know, I, I just got distracted a split second and knocked down my pot of ink on my drawing. <gasps> and I was like, no. And How so- long had you spent on the drawing at that point? too long for something that stupid <laughs> and you know I did a story about this on my on my insta but like oh how to ruin the drawing in one one step or something like this 
and I was <laughs> I was filming my my beautiful neat drawing with this ink uh, <laughs> dripping like going like look look and so many people wrote me being like oh man but you should like try to to do something out of this and uh, oh but like don't like i don't know they were really encouraging comments like yeah. uh, of people all over the globe and i was like well at the moment i was way too pissed and too tired so uh, i left this for the next day and the next day i didn't try to do something based on this problem. And it turned out so great. Really, it it, it actually inspired like what uh, future series, I would say. It brought <gasps> like an organic kind of aspect to these uh, digital looking composition that I do. And, and I really loved it. And I think I would like to develop this also for murals. And I documented the whole process and posted about it because I thought that that was really... First, I wanted to say thank you to to the people who follow my work that yes. like decided to take just a minute of their time to write me and be like, no, 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 try to do something, you know, like encourage me. And then it was a really yeah. good thing to do. Yeah. So you never know. That's super cool. Also, you said something that's very important, I think, for all creators, all artists, all creatives, is that when something frustrates you and when you feel defeated by something, take a step back from it. Like, don't be afraid to give yourself breathing room to process that frustration or those negative feelings. Because if you try to create in the midst of that, it's not going to result in something usually right. that's like productive. Yeah. But you like you were like, oh, I'm just frustrated. And you walked away and then you came back the next day and this is what resulted. Yeah. But this was definitely with the help of people. I cannot take all the the thing on my. <laughs> but even when you don't have fans or followers or friends, you know, encouraging you to move on, a really good way to defeat a moment of frustration and creative block is to just walk away and breathe, you know, take time away. Yeah, I think accepting that it can't always go the way you want or it cannot always be successful I think it's a hard thing to accept, especially in the social media era, mm -hmm. but it, it is something that it's important to keep in mind, you know? Exactly. I read the sentence, the lyrics of a song. It was in French, so let me try to translate it. It's from a rapper called Giorgio. It says, Je ne partage que mes victoires et c'est bien ma plus grande défaite. It means that I only share or talk about my victories and this is probably my biggest weakness. Mm. Wow. I don't know if it translates well, but I, I found this like a beautiful because it's really a sensitive person that wrote this. Mm -hmm. and, and it's vulnerable. hundred percent. Yeah. And also like it's a good um, parallel to what we do with social media or what social media makes us do. I don't know which way, but... You know, we tend to only show the best side of our life, even for me, like my best drawings, the best thing I've done. Nah, nah, nah. But we leave only little space for like the moments of doubt. And the problem is that quite often when I feel these creative block, when I feel not good enough or like this and I can't or I don't want to create, mm -hmm. I often end up scrolling on Insta and other platform this just makes me feel even shittier, you know? And I think I'm far away from alone in this case. And Absolutely. that's something that I, I try to, to get away from sometimes. But you know what? I've thought a lot about this. And I think people are starting to share more low moments. But also, 
this is a hard one for me because why would I share with you my most like vulnerable moments? I'm a private person. I'm going to share right. with you the things that I'm proud of, the things that make me joyful about my life. That you worked hard for. And uh, yeah, of course. That I worked hard for it. I'm going to be like, oh, I love this moment. I'm going to share it. So like, and also I'm a private person. So if I'm going through something, I have my own support systems and you can be damn sure I'm not going to share that with you because it's none of your business. <laughs> mm, yeah, definitely. I think the message needs to be more about understand that all of these glossy pictures are by people who are whole people with whole lives who feel like a loser, just like you do often and have their insecurities. But I don't think what we need to preach is posting more of the shitty stuff because then it becomes curated shittiness. Just like there's curated joy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's the way of saying. I have a good sentence to to respond to this. Create more moments that make you forget to post about them. Because I realized that the best moments that I spend with like my family, my wife, my friends, or just on my own and every or like a party and everything, most of the best one. I was so into it that I don't have a single picture. And it doesn't mean that I haven't shared about it, that that was not good or worth sharing. It's just that I was so into it that I did not even need the confirmation of anyone external to this moment to confirm that that was a great moment, you know? 100%. I'm the same way. There's an interesting segue here because I want to get us back on track. And it's the fact that you've actually started playing with AR with your work, augmented reality. I'm trying. I did collaboration with the, this company in Paris that are specialized in this called Monster. And um, I'm not really into like the doing part. So for some project, I had the chance to work with the team that understood and I did the drawing of how I imagine it. And they were helping me for all the technical part of doing this. And this is definitely something I would like to do more often. So if someone hears me here and is down to like do some VR experimental stuff, I'm down. Oh, yes. Let's get that. I mean, I'm fascinated by augmented reality. So if we could get someone to uh, partner with Realsy and also with my company Frequency, uh, you got some gold mines here. <laughs> so Yay. let's make it happen. Let's augment our realities. It scares me, but also excites me. <laughs> I I'm in the same boat. <laughs> yeah, same, same, same. Okay, so now let's talk about where are you headed in the future? Like, how do you see yourself evolving or playing or experimenting in the near future? Definitely more volume stuff. I love to build things. I work a lot with wood and sometimes metal and I've done it in the, um, my last exhibition in, in Berlin that was called Other in Box that you can actually visit on, on my website in VR actually. And uh, I love to build stuff and play with spaces in general because I think my, my work even when I just draw in sketchbook on walls or anything, it, it has this 3D dimension and I call it like static movement. Even if it's a static image, it often, you, you can feel the movement, I think, in what I'm, I mean, I try to, to make it look like this. Like when the eyes of a painting follow you. Yeah, on, on this side, or, or I would say more, it looks like a frame of an action almost. You, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like you've hit pause in the middle of a moment. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm. And um, so 
it kind of comes to me naturally to try to work more and something that people can experience. And it also leads me to VR kind of stuff. So I'm, I'm always between both. I like the VR for the experience. For example, like, I don't know, I dream about doing a whole exhibition in which I would work with, uh, I don't know, like a, a VR architect in building the room where I would do this VR exhibition, you know? So it's an exhibition that would not really exist, but at the same time, it's also something that someone, you saw it, I saw it in a different country, someone in Japan saw it as well. So does it mean it exists or not? Because we can talk about it, we can exchange, we lived it, mm. but it doesn't materially exist. So I'm also quite fascinated by this uh, question actually. <laughs> but you know what? There's so much in our lives that is exactly that way. You know, like ideas of culture or nations or money. These are all things we experience that don't materially exist. Yeah, that's true. I've never thought about this, but mm. yeah. Where can our cultured crew find you? I would say the most up to date is always my Instagram at Railsy, R-Y- L-S-double-E. We have this um, this brand called Sneer with three E's goes Sneer. <laughs> it started with a funny nickname that I had like Sneer is kind of my alter ego. So we thought that it would be a funny name for the, the merch. So it's definitely merch inspired by like the kind of humoristic playfulness that I have in my work. Our bestseller is the Two Shadow Rap that I started years ago and I like to paste stickers around where I'm going and and a lot of people can relate to this so it's quite fun to see people walking around with two shy to rap you know I am too <laughs> yeah yeah that's like the little like thing you have in quotes uh, yeah. next to your name always real see too shy to rap <laughs> Well, this has been such a joy, Real C. I'm so happy we did this and that we got to share some of that infectious, joyful, optimistic spirit and playful spirit with the Cultured Crew. Thank you for coming. Thank you a lot. It's, uh, it was a really pleasant experience. Did I not tell you that Real C was just a joy? I bet you're sitting there with a huge smile on your face because I know I am. He makes me laugh. He makes me smile. And that joy, that like curiosity for the world around you is so contagious, you know? So that's why we need more people like Rilsey in our world to make us just take on that curiosity through osmosis. All right, babies. Until next time, you know what to do. Keep it classy. Keep it curious. Keep it cultured. Visit culturedpodcast.com for show notes and subscription links. The Cultured Podcast is a production of my podcast production company, Frequency Media. I'm the host, Michelle Corey. Ina Garkusha is our fabulous producer. Becca Godwin is our wonderful associate producer, and we're recording in Atlanta, Georgia. 